literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in to Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And we have a very special guest joining us on the show. When we launched this show, that was always the goal. Then this darn pandemic happened and made it a bit of a challenge. And I'm very excited uh, for you to hear our guest today, Harrison Epright. Harrison's title, I want to hear all about you, but your title is the Manager of Visitor Services and Tour Ambassador for the City of Austin. It's quite a title. <laughs> I try to live up to it, yes. <laughs> All right, first a little it's bit... longer of, than my name, apparently. <laughs> yeah, first, Harrison, a little bit about you, and then we'll... I want to know, and then I want to find out how you got into just being this ambassador for mm-hmm. our city. You were born here? I was born and raised here in Austin, Texas. Not many of you. You don't run into too many people born and raised here. What year was that? How old are you? I was born in 1955. In fact, I was born on my mother's birthday, June 4, 1955. Yeah. And what part of Austin? I was born over at Brackenridge Hospital, the old Brackenridge Hospital. Mm -hmm. And I lived in East Austin. Okay. Where in East Austin? Uh, Well, when I was born, after I was born, well, the family lived over on Clifford Street. And Clifford Street uh, is right off um, what was then known as East 19th Street, now East Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Clifford is between what is now East Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and East 12th Street. Okay. And, and then you moved. Yes, I moved. Uh, in 1955, uh, we lived on Clifford. And then in 1956, the family moved to the old Booker T. Washington housing projects. The old Booker T. Washington projects were located on Thompson Street. Oh, okay. Uh, over uh, again. In I know where East the one Austin. is now. I didn't know yeah. it had a pre- previous location. Yes. The, the previous Booker T. Washington projects were opened about 1953. Hmm. And existed until the early 1980s when they were torn down in order to make way for the present Booker T. Washington Terrace apartments. Okay. And my family lived in those, the old Booker T. Washington apartments from 1956 until 1961. Hmm. And then uh, what was it like for you growing up in, in Austin? Just a few it, a few it was, memories. It was, it, was, it was very, very interesting. Uh, just the, what I remember seeing in my family and in my neighborhood versus what we saw on television. That was uh, quite, quite can, a Can jarring. you give me an example? Well, just like the... Well, just just to dive into it, it's like when you when you're when you're watching television and you see a movie being promoted, especially in this case, a Disney movie like 101 Dalmatians or Mm -hmm. Pinocchio. You see it being promoted on television and the announcer will tell you that it is coming to a theater near you. And I would go and I would ask my mother Mm -hmm. or my father, well, can you take me to see such and such a movie, let's say 101 Dalmatians. 
well, is it coming to the Harlem? That would be the, the, the question. Is it playing at the Harlem uh, or is it playing at the Ritz? The Harlem was located on East 12th Street. The Ritz was located downtown on East 6th Street, uh, what used to be also the Alamo Draft House at the Ritz. If, if their answer, if my answer was no, well, then they would respond with, well, then we can't take you. Why? Because because of racial segregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, those we we can only take you to a movie theater uh, that 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 programs uh, for what well, that allows black people or Negroes or colored, as we were called. So and they wouldn't would, even show these films that you were seeing. On TV. Uh, not always. Yeah, so yeah. like if it played at the Paramount Theater, mm-hmm. the we, big theaters like the Paramount or the state or the Austin Theater, which is located on South Congress. Uh, any of those movie theaters or the Varsity Theater, mm-hmm. which was on Guadalupe, or the Texas Theater on Guadalupe. If it weren't in any of those places, well, then no, we we we, we could not go. And that was something that uh, I couldn't understand um, as a as a little child. And wow, I, you know, this is going to be tough for me because I could just spend hours going down this path talking about. Growing up in in, in in East Austin in the 50s and 60s, yeah. I mean, that's fascinating yeah. to me. I do want to know a little bit more because this is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I have, have a lot of great memories of childhood, even, uh, you know, where wherever our family lived. I had wonderful memories of, uh, you know, having... Uh, classmates to play with um, the, the the family get-togethers the, the the great the great dinners to cooking the hours of uh, reading and television and just you know, things like that going out to rural uh, eastern Travis County out to St. Elmo Baptist Church which was the the old family church and having to sit through these long long sermons and being <laughs> bored as a child Those Baptist sermons can go oh, on my word and and then asking my parents if I could be excused to go outside mm-hmm. and I they would say yes and usually when I was outside there would be a child outside, uh, somebody else who got permission to go outside to play with. Mm-hmm. And that person most likely would be a relative. I mean, it's like all, every almost everyone, all of the parishioners were in or were uh, related in some way or another. Mm-hmm. So that, that was very enjoyable. And then walking with my grandmother uh, down to her house or walking with my other grandmother up to her place, uh, that was always a lot of fun. Or just just that feeling of camaraderie when you're out in the out in the churchyard and you have the adults and you have the children all around and everybody's talking and laughing. Uh, the church dinners were always a lot of fun, too. Uh, just growing up, being out in the country, even though I lived in the city, but my relatives, they most of my relatives lived in the country. I'm glad to say that I have rural antecedents. Mm-hmm. Both my mother and my father were raised out in rural East Travis County. And when they married in 1951, they moved to the city. And all of us, they wanted to make sure that all of us children were raised in the city. Okay. So I, I lived I lived in, 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 in two worlds, you could really say. Okay. And then what was your young adult life like? Uh, you know, education, occupation. What were you doing? And then what were you doing for fun, too? Let's throw mm-hmm. that in there. But that leads to becoming this ambassador yes. for Austin. How does that happen? Well, 
As a young man, I was a library clerk at the University of Texas, first in the Harry Ransom Center at UT, and then later at the Collections Deposit Library. Being at the University of Texas uh, as a man in my ni- in, in, in my 20s, uh, it, it, it opened up new opportunities. Uh, it, it was my, my first contact with people from other, from other nations, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very uh, enlightening, and it also helped to, to counter what prejudices that I had, and they were prejudices based on ignorance, just pure and simple ignorance. I enjoyed the broadening of of my knowledge of people and then to wait on people from those areas. That was quite an enlightening experience for me. You're a bit of a library junkie. Uh, I, I was for about six years, and I guess I still am. That was your to hangout. Degree. It was my hangout for about six years. I was I worked in first the Harry Ransom Center, and then later the Collections Deposit Library. Okay. And you have your own beautiful collection of books, I right? I do have a, a ton of books, unfortunately. <laughs> we share that in common. Yes, yes. And, and, and now that we are cleaning out my mother's place, <laughs> my late mother's place, I've inherited more books. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh, dear is right. <laughs> Including books that once belonged to my my paternal grandmother, who was a great reader. And what did your well. mother do? My mother, my mother was a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. She did domestic work. She was proud to say that she did mate's work. She at one time worked at Tracor. She still to this to the uh, to this day I still don't know what she did at Tracor, <laughs> but but it was during the Vietnam War, mm. and so it was secret work. Even ap- years after she left Tracor, she never told me exactly wow. what she did there. But she worked at Tracor. She worked at IBM. She worked at Teachers Retirement Services. Uh, she was a nanny. She had her own janitorial service at one time, the L.M. Epright Bonded Cleaning Service. Her name was Lillian Mary Epright. And the house that you're now clearing out, you lived there for a long time, right? And where's that? I lived there from the age of six until the age of 22 and then moved back, briefly moved back at 25 and then moved out again at 26 moved back to it at 32 and left it for good at the age of 35, 36. So that's that's quite some time there. And the mm-hmm. house is located at 1607 Greenwood Avenue in East Austin. Both mom and dad purchased the house in 1961. That was how we got out of the out of the Booker T. Washington housing projects. And mom and dad worked two and three jobs in order to in order to maintain that house mm-hmm. it was in a black working class neighborhood and by mom and and people on that street they worked hard and they were many of them were proud of the properties that they had they were they were they were homeowners mm-hmm. and mom and dad taught us the the value of, of pride in ownership of of things and mm-hmm. also that we had a buy-in you know, to to keep the place, and that is that we were doing housework. My sisters did cooking. I did yard work along with my dad. So things like that. We uh, paint helped to paint the house. 
and you grew to love buildings and architecture, and yes. especially historic buildings. And yes. that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. we wanted to have you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Only our second guest yes. right. in wow. a year and a half of the podcast. Oh, wow. So we know you know a lot about mm-hmm. the historic buildings around town. And we made up a list just as a starter. Wanted to hear what you thought about them. And... May as well start with the capital. All right. Then. Start big. Yes, I, I, really. <laughs> well, which is great because fond memories of the state capitol, even as a little child, because there were a number of family pictures that were made at the capitol when I was a little boy, about five years old, in my, in my Sunday suit and my sisters. Believe it or not, there used to be a grotto on the grounds of the state capitol. They had goldfish. And that was a, a wonderful place to, to pose, to do pictures. The Capitol, a building that, probably the first building that just really just blew my mind away. Just And especially think about it when you are a little child, how everything is much larger <laughs> than, uh, than, than, than when you are an adult, it seems. And the Capitol, I remember when I first went into the Capitol building, into the rotunda, and I saw the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And the Christmas tree seemed gigantic. <laughs> the rotunda was this gigantic hall. I mean, it was like being in the, uh, if you remember uh, the, the story of Pier Ghent. The, uh, the 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 musical piece called the Hall of the Mountain Kings. <laughs> that to me was what it was like to see a, a gigantic Christmas tree in that gigantic rotunda, and just that there was not another building like that uh, in the city for obvious reasons. So that building and seeing the dimensions of that building. And seeing that it did look somewhat like the national capital in Washington, D.C., that all fascinated me. And also seeing the Driscoll Hotel, yeah, seeing the Driscoll as a little boy um, on, on East 6th Street and this gigantic building that had these these three heads on it. Uh, and th- those were being built just about at the same time, right? Yes, they were. They were. In fact, in fact, the Driscoll and the Capitol are so interconnected mm-hmm. in that Jasper Preston, the man who designed the Driscoll Hotel, he was the head of the board of governors or judges who chose the architect for the state capitol. I did not know that. Yes, Elijah wow. Meyer. Wow. Exactly. So Jasper Preston persuaded the board to choose Elijah Meyer wow. as the design as the architect for the capitol. And the Driscoll is eighteen eighty six, is that right? The, the Driscoll yeah. was was completed in eighteen eighty six. And then the Capitol in eighteen eighty eight. In eighteen eighty eight, yes. They're kissing cousins. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And <laughs> Just to think that, too, uh, Jasper Preston had to be drawn away to to supervise the final phase of construction of the, the state capitol building because Elijah Meyer was fired. Uh, wow. uh, the architect of the capitol, he was fired from the job they they for oh insubordination. There was another term that they used, hmm. but but but. They, but they they had problems with him, uh, getting along with him. Right, and, and so it was, he was built. Fired. There were Scottish uh, stone workers and a lot yeah. of African Americans. There were workers. a lot of African Americans, and many of them were were prisoners. Mm-hmm. Many of them were prisoners who were who were. Uh, impressed into service right. to um, build the state capitol building, and that actually caused a scandal because 
the group or the investors that got the right to, well, to the land that the state donated, put up Mm -hmm. as partial payment for building the capital. The organization that got the rights to that land, uh, well, then they impressed basically prisoners, Mm -hmm. people who had served time in jail to build the state capitol building. And then they also brought in 60 Scottish stonemasons Mm -hmm. imported from Scotland for the job. But this ran afoul of the local building guilds Ah. here in Austin. They, They sued and workers were told to boycott Mm-hmm. The, the the state capitol building. Ah. That's right. There were some lawsuits that were settled. Uh, one lawsuit was settled for a sizable amount, but then on appeal, uh, the the amount was greatly reduced. Mm-hmm. So the capitol was built primarily with with convict labor, right. African American convict labor, as well as with Scottish sixty Scottish right. stonemasons. And one of the original freedom colonies over in East Austin is called Mason Town. Yes. And it was because that's where they offloaded the stones coming down from Granite Mountain and where the the stonecutters lived Mm -hmm. was in Mason Town. Yes. And then that was an African-American community. And I wish that there was something really more significant there now to recognize that, yes. you know, when they put in all those new uh, uh, buildings along the old railroad tracks mm-hmm. uh, in the last few years. Are you talking about the, the whole new section where there's a Target and a Whole Foods? Right, right that? near yeah. Plaza Saltillo. Yeah. There's nothing there that I've ever seen that recognizes the people who lived there before. No. And that's that's disappointing. There is a, a mural. There are some mural projects in that area. Well, good to hear. That, that list some of the founders of Mason Town. And that's where the railroad came into sure. the city. The railroad, when the railroad came into Austin on Christmas Day, 1871. Yeah, yeah, down where Plaza Saltillo is. Yeah. And then that and that that was Mason Town. Right. So let's talk about some other buildings. Uh, uh, what are some of your favorites? Uh, I love the State Capitol building, of course. Sure. Uh, the Renaissance revival of the State Capitol building. Uh, I love the Richardsonian Romanesque of the of the Driscoll Hotel, and that's a, 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 a certainly a reminder that we had a little bit of the Gilded Age here we uh, in Austin as bit. well. This little small town that we were back in the eighteen eighties. I, I love those two buildings. What about um, the Capitol Visitor Center? You know that. It is the oldest building in the Capitol complex area. That originally was the General Land Office building. And if you'll notice the design of it, it's rather Germanic in in design with the castellated uh, corners to it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because it was designed by a Prussian. I did not know that. That's right. It was designed by a Prussian. And this was before the first unification of Germany. 
This mm-hmm. building was was designed about 1856, 1850, well, uh, opened about 1857, designed 1856 by a man who actually worked in the building uh, as well. Somebody else famous worked in that building, too. I know that you know who true. it is. <laughs> that is true. Some some guy, his name was William Sidney Porter. <laughs> Oh, Henry. <laughs> yeah. William Sidney Porter worked in that building. William Sidney Porter was a real character a real in this character. town. He came to Texas from North Carolina. He tried his hand uh, at ranching. In fact, lived down in Catula for a while. He came down here for his health because he had uh, asthma. His father was a pharmacist. And so the father taught him the profession when William Sidney Porter moved to Austin, uh, he was a pharmacist. And in fact, he filled prescriptions at the old Morley Brothers drug store located on East 6th Street, mm. built in the 1870s, the building itself. And he worked as a druggist there for some years. But he also was an actor. He did some work at the Millet's Opera House, which was completed in 1879. Pictures of him in in a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. That is correct. That is correct. And he was also a member of a quartet called the Hill City Quartet. Mm -hmm. He was an actor. He was a singer. He was a writer. He published a paper called The Rolling Stone, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. He was writing some short stories. He worked uh, also at the old General Land Office building. And in fact, two of his short stories that he later wrote under the under the pseudonym O. Henry, two of his short stories have their plot settings within the old General Land Office building. And we still have one of his two homes. Yes, we do. We do have his home that he and his wife, Athol, uh, Estes, and their daughter lived in. It was a little, a little Queen Anne-style cottage that is located on East 5th Street in what is now called Brush Square, one of the four original town squares mm-hmm. uh, laid out when the city was surveyed and laid out in 1839. This little uh, Queen Anne-style cottage was originally located at East 5th Street and Trinity Street, just across from the courtyard by Marriott, which, by the way, on the site of the courtyard by Marriott was where William Sidney Porter's disapproving in-laws lived, (laughs) who did not want the daughter to marry William Sidney Porter. She was from an upper-class family. That's correct. That's correct. The other... Uh, o. Henry House that was salvaged and moved to Pease Park mm-hmm. was burnt to the ground by some malcontents or miscreants really? or whatever. Yeah, we had two of them at one time. Really? Yeah, it was going to be another little house museum, too. And when when did this happen, honestly? You're putting me on the spot here. Okay, I, I, right, uh, I edit that out. I believe, <laughs> I believe they moved it in the 50s or 60s, yes. and I think the fire may have been in the 70s, and some people know who did it, but we're not saying. I see, I see, <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, it was just kids mm-hmm. uh, uh, acting up. But we do have the one, and I'm thinking of some, let's bounce into the future, I mean, more into the modern ages. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about Mm -hmm. building that's gorgeous and modern and historic that people are trying to save right now, the David Chapel. Yes. 
Yeah, David Chapel is very important. This tells you a lot about East Austin history vis-a-vis African-Americans as well as African-American history. David Chapel, an historic old congregation, they built their present church was completed about 1959. It was designed by the first black man to graduate from the School of Architecture at the University of Texas. Mm. His name was John S. Chase, and he graduated from the School of Architecture in 1952. We have talked about him because I was, I've been obsessed over the home he has just east of I-35 that he designed and built. Yes, it's, yes. It's one of my favorite homes in the entire city. Yes. But, but go on, tell me more about but, it. But about yes, but town. yes. Now, now. East Austin, as the rest of the city, grew by leaps and bounds, certainly after World War II. You can see the various class differences, even in the black community. And whereas St. Elmo Baptist Church, where I went to church as a child, was a little rural country, black country Baptist Church. David Chapel Baptist Church, on the other hand, was the city. It was an urban church, and a a large number of the parishioners at David Chapel were professionals or certainly middle class and and even upper income parishioners at David Chapel. I mean, that they they had the, the means to hire John Chase to design this modern building that evokes a little bit of Frank Lloyd Wright in his architecture and a little bit of the of the of the of, the, of mid-century modern uh, architecture as well. It, it was a striking building to, to, to see when I was a child and so unlike so many churches that that I was familiar with. I mean, certainly like, for instance, like the church where I, I that I, where I went as a child. Did you ever go by there and go, I want to go to that church? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was just that stunning. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. And huh. and uh, I didn't get inside David Chapel until I was a teenager. Hmm. Briefly, mom and dad, I mean, their membership was at, was at St. Elmo Baptist Church in the country. I mean, we were not avid churchgoers. We were not avid churchgoers at all. And so we would visit churches in the city. I was acquainted with... For instance, Mount Olive Baptist Church, which is over near Houston Tillotson uh, University. I was acquainted with Mount Zion Baptist Church Mm -hmm. off of East 12th Street on East 13th Street. This was back before their present structure, their newer structure. I was acquainted with David Chapel, and I had a number of friends who attended David Chapel Baptist Church, a number of schoolmates. So I wanted to go to that church. <laughs> I wanted to go to that church. And now it's endangered. Yes, Tell us it about is. that. Yes, it is in danger. I know that the the congregation the congregation has purchased property to to to, to, to move elsewhere Springdale further Road, east. Yeah. Exactly further east. Now, when I was a boy, Springdale Road that. I mean, that that was outside of the original uh, boundaries that made up the, quote, Negro district going back to the 1928 master plan. So Springdale, that was considered, you could say, the suburbs of East Austin. Really, even where I lived on Greenwood Avenue, that was the suburbs of East Austin at the time. Right. So, yes. So. They have property out there, which they've had for years. But unfortunately, the present church, 
they can't do any expansion where they're located. And already the church has shown has shown signs of, of, of terrible wear. I mean, there was the church has this this steeple and they had this this modern spire in the center of the steeple. And I don't know if that rusted away or not. Right. I can't seem to get a clear answer. But uh, anyway, the church that you're seeing today is not the church that I saw. I'm just talking about the exterior mm-hmm. is not the church that I saw as a child because it had this not only a steeple, but this striking modern spire as right. well that right. pointed heavenward. I had heard as recently as this week that the some people in the city of Austin uh, want to purchase it to preserve it. The problem being that the, the city, by law, can only pay market rate, and that's an extremely valuable piece of oh, land. Oh, it certainly is. They probably can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But there is talk of that. I would, I would, I would certainly, I hope that there could be some kind some of public-private right. thing. I, I would that sign would on the, to that. Me too. I would sign on to that. Uh, any of the buildings that were designed by John Chase, yes, yeah. I'm I'm on top of that. I'm on to that. Uh, David Chapel, it would be horrible to see David Chapel right. uh, uh, go. Uh, another church that he designed uh, is on San Bernard Street, and it's called is Olivet Baptist Church, and he designed Olivet in 1961. That's a, a another uh, oh, yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. church on St. Bernard. St. Bernard is, we were just talking two or three weeks ago, Sugar Hill. Yes. San Bernard started out in the 1870s as a predominantly German area of the city. Now, over in East Austin, but there was no Negro district then. Mm-hmm. But... There were black settlements in East Austin, after all, Masontown and Gregory Town, Samuel Houston College and Tillotson College, both two separate colleges, both located in East Austin, both started in the. Well, Samuel Houston, 1875, Tillotson, 1881. Both before UT. That's right. Both before UT. <laughs> and also, also. jab there, I guess. <laughs> I feel and, that. And also get this, too, where <laughs> Tillotson was located, that hill was called Blue Bonnet Hill. Mm-hmm. And had you been in Austin in 1877 when that school was chartered 1877 and the land was purchased and the school was chartered well then you could have seen all the way down to the lower colorado river at the time and just think and when the school opened in 18 oh okay when the school was chartered in 1877 the old state capitol building was still standing in 1877 there were some buildings in downtown especially on on east 6th street which was then called pecan street that were that were standing at the time you just sparked a memory of news this week about a historic building and a, a really historic location, and that is the old municipal building mm-hmm. on West 8th Street, yes. which they're talking about yes. using for community court to serve the community people experiencing homelessness. It was City Hall at one point. It it's sure a beautiful was. Art Deco building. It sure was. And even before that, it's the location of the first capital. Yes, it was. In town. Yes, it was. At, at West 
eighth and Colorado, right? That that is right. Yes. So the very first of the four capitals uh, that have been in Austin. And legend has it. <laughs> legend has it. I like it when you put that in there, yes. so that we know what's coming. <laughs> as I was told here, as I learned years ago, you never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> now. Mirabeau B. Lamar, the president of the republic at one time, the man who is responsible for this being the capital of first the republic and then now the capital of the state, was on a buffalo hunt in this area. He had heard about this, this settlement, a little settlement called Waterloo which nobody seems to know the origins of Waterloo, but it was on the banks of the lower Colorado River. And Mirabeau B. Lamar came here ostensibly to hunt buffalo. He was really looking for a a new site for the capital of the republic. Well, he camped on the banks of the lower Colorado River. He loved what he saw. There was already a settlement there, abundant wildlife, of course, abundant body of water. And they say that he actually that he did shoot a buffalo up about in that area uh, around what is now West 8th and Colorado Street. They say that he did shoot a buffalo there. Nobody seems to know for sure. But, of course, the real reason why Lamar wanted the capital out of where it was located at the time, which was Houston. Right. Was because, well, Houston, yes, Houston is swampy. Uh, Houston is Close to the close to the coast, and so mosquitoes, Malaria. And swamp, all of that. But also, too, he wanted interior expansion into the large Republic of Texas, and he hated Sam Houston's guts. <laughs> yes, there was yes. a lot of that. There, there was, still yes. is that. Yes, he wanted to so. project power out into land that that was. Where the Tonquas lived and where yes. the Comanches came and the Apaches came. Yes. He wanted to confront them. Yes. And so little Austin grew up in way out on the frontier. Yes, it was on the frontier. <laughs> you know, on, on that note, let's let's uh, go ahead and wrap this episode. Mm-hmm. This is great. This is fascinating. And mm-hmm. we only covered like three buildings. Oh, my word. <laughs> my word. But we, we try to keep these bite-sized nuggets for our listeners. And then I don't know if this might end up being two, three, four episodes. We'll I, I do hope so because I have <laughs> No, more. no, no. We have plenty more. We have, Good. we have nothing but time here. Good. I'm just breaking it up into little chunks for our audience. And again, this is uh, Harrison Epright, Manager of Visitor Services and Tour Ambassador for Austin. Pleasure talking to you. And uh, we'll, we'll come back on the next episode. We'll oh, have more with you. Please. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trails. Happy trails.